Good morning. We're excited. It's Sunday. My daughter wakes up and she's dressing her doll first to go to karate, but she's dressing her up special because it's church day. So she was really excited. So let's try again. Good morning. All right. Thanks. And part of that's uh, I work with children, so I appreciate your enthusiasm. Uh, my name is Matt Schaefer. I've been attending Green Tree probably for about uh, 11, 12 years. Um, thank you for coming this morning. This is an exciting morning for us. It's Mission Sunday. You're going to get to hear from a number of uh, ministries and go out to some mission tables uh, in between services and hear not only um, what our church is behind and what our church supports, but also listen to the Holy Spirit and view that as an invitation for you to participate uh, in what our church is doing. So I'm excited because uh, the Holy Spirit has anointed this day and brought us each here uh, for his purposes. Uh, my name is Matt Schaefer again. I'm the executive director of Hope Unlimited. We are a nonprofit youth ministry based in Kirkwood here, uh, specifically focusing on two to 300 youth in Meacham Park and Southeast Kirkwood. Um, we know throughout Kirkwood and throughout St. Louis, there's a number of at-risk youth, but uh, this is kind of a hotbed for us. I got involved with uh, Hope Unlimited in the spring of 2003 when Jeff Fox, who was the head of Damascus Road, uh, presented an announcement about those looking to coach baseball team. He was looking for some young men to coach a boys baseball team. Damascus Road was a young adult ministry catering to college age to 40 age, 40-year-olds, uh, and it was a, just a powerful time in my life of influence and uh, forming. And uh, a couple of my friends, Brian Towns and uh, the best man in my wedding, Rob Marshall, and I prayed about it and said, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. And uh, didn't really know what we were getting into um, because we thought we were going to be based in Kirkwood. And then we started finding out that all practices and games were scheduled at Penrose Park, which is basically you take King's Highway and just drive it till it dead ends. So <laughs> we were like, this does not make sense. So we had a lot of time with kids in the car, and it actually was forced discipleship and forced getting to know you time. It was a, a really blessed uh, period. You know, we'd be spending time recruiting kids if we were short uh, a child for a game <laughs> or we we're just trying to round them up saying, well, so-and-so's at this person's house. And uh, our team took off and we had a lot of fun. We were called the Meacham Park Black Sox or White Sox, depending on the game. Our team name unofficially was uh, the Meacham Park Pitbulls because I had this pitbull named Rudy. With those of you who remember him, right, he was uh, an ambassador for the breed, but Rudy would accompany us to all practices and all games. So they were like, let's be these guys. Like, well, we can't change our name mid-season. But um, we spent a lot of time uh, with these guys and developed deep friendships that, for me, have lasted 10 years. So I'm still in contact with a number of these guys and remember them when they were little guys. And now, you know, I'm 5'11", so I'm looking up to most of them anyway. Um, God used our past experiences of coaching baseball um, in high school, you know, our playing baseball, our love of the game, our uh, love for kids. Brian Towns and I often brought our dogs to the game, so, you know, that helped us connect with kids. And we also started listening to this Christian uh, underground hip-hop movement from Atlanta, and that kind of really jived with the kids. There were times in our car where they'd be talking about something, we said, man, really should be building each other up. You're right. We shouldn't talk about like that when there's a cross in the car. I was like, well, it's not just because there's a cross in the car. It's because Jesus Christ is among us, and let's speak more firmly to our brother. So it was moments like that on the way to a baseball game that uh, really forged deep friendships. So from that, um, I began working at Green Tree 
between 2003 and 2007 working in the junior high and senior high ministries and continued tutoring with Hope Unlimited and involved a number of the kids in our youth events. Uh, Mike Higgins and I had some deep relationships with those kids and they come sometimes 30 to 45 minutes prior to um, event. So you can imagine if you know you were setting up for church or something like that and you know all the kids you were in contact with showed up 30 to 45 minutes early. So you're like, not only do I have to channel these kids, but we have to get prepared for ministering to these kids tonight. So uh, there were a lot of times where the Lord kind of put us on edge or put us in situations where we are completely reliant upon uh, his power. So I uh, left Green Tree uh, Youth Ministry, um, still volunteered, but then in 2008, 2009, Mike Higgins approached me about um, doing a summer training and discipleship ministry, which basically in encouraged us to oversee uh, youth in Meacham Park uh, working and training and learning valuable life skills and learning uh, about Jesus. So we would start a morning session about life skills. I teach them, you know, how to uh, dress for a job interview, how to approach yourself, how to develop a 30-second life goal summary, how to determine what your goals are, how to figure out what are the steps I need to take to achieve those goals. And then we entered a Bible study where commonly we went through Colossians, where um, we're reminded to work mightily and heartily as uh, for the Lord, for Christ is our master. We would go into the story of Joseph and say, well, maybe your life is not where you would like it to be at your age. But if we look at Joseph, you know, here he is walking across the desert, you know, to Egypt saying, this is not how I planned things. You know, I, you guys were supposed to be bowing down to me. Um, so that, that was just powerful when we look at the message of Ecclesiastes. And then we go do community service uh, in the neighborhood or throughout Kirkwood where the kids could practically learn what we have been talking about through service. Uh, through that, we formed a discipleship uh, and street ministry where uh, I would spend kids or time with kids in those vital after school hours, early evening hours, uh, ministering to them, getting to know them, uh, being a resource uh, in the neighborhood. And then in 2010, I was surprisingly approached by uh, our board to be the executive director of Hope Unlimited, and that's been an exciting past three years. And uh, I think we had some pictures scrolling, but uh, throughout the entire time and throughout time in ministry, I'm reminded of Jesus' words to his disciples in Matthew 9, where he's encouraging them to look out. And as he's looking out, he looked out at the people as he was ministering to all the cities. And his heart was troubled and stressed by those in emotional distress and spiritual just lostness, just depravity. And he encourages them to just pray for uh, the Lord to send out labors. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And sometimes as mission-oriented people or as a congregation, I remember when I was younger, I was watching uh, the movie The Mission in high school. I went to SLU High School, Jesuit High School, and I was like, I'm going to be a Jesuit out in the rainforest, you know, going at it. And the Lord has had different plans uh, for me, but this verse encourages me to be reminded that mission is not about a frenzy of activity. It's not about marked in our endeavors, but it is about being uh, in a position of prayer and is precipitated and rooted in prayer. Because the first thing Jesus says is pray earnestly to the Lord. The harvest is there. It is abundant, but it is his harvest. He is the maker. He is the initiator. He is the tender so that is just an uh, encouragement to me. So I'm going to pray for us, and 
I just hope that uh, today is a powerful day where you have some time to set aside uh, for you and the Lord and to think about what he may be calling you to. Dear Lord, thank you for this morning. Uh, we thank you for your heart and missions in bringing the gospel uh, to lost uh, souls, and we just beg you that you would move in each one of us to set some quiet time aside to hear from you, uh, to see how we can share your heart and your gospel to a lost and dying world that desperately needs to hear it. Amen. Please have a seat. Thank you. Good morning, Green Tree. Thank you. It's good to be here. Um, thank you, Matt, for sharing what you shared and uh, the reality of walking day at a time with Jesus and with other people is, uh, is uh, always growing and changing. And I want to thank uh, so many of you who have been part of Matthew 2028. 20, I know all over the metropolitan area, but many of you have been part of Matthew 2028 20, at uh, Jubilee over the last bunch of years, and we appreciate it. We appreciate your partnership. Uh, in the few minutes we got here to the day, I want to talk briefly about man's misconceptions exchanged for God's truth, because that's what's happened to me over my life. I've had a lot of misconceptions, and they're misconceptions about God, and they're misconceptions about people. And I can remember uh, back in 1982, I graduated from college, and I was I had a heart for the city, and I wanted to be involved in it. I had met a man in uh, Cabrini-Green. Elax Taylor, he was an elderly African-American gentleman. And uh, one day I went down to see him, and I uh, got out of my car, parked it on the side of the road, and within 15 seconds, there was uh, another car that pulled up, a couple of undercover 5-0 police guys got up, and they said, get up against the car. Get up against the car, put my hands up against the car. They frisked me down, and uh, they frisked me all the way down, and then they said, you don't have a gun. I said, no, I don't have a gun. He said, what are you doing here without a gun? Don't you ever come down here without a gun. And I thought, and I was beginning to get educated. Uh, my misconceptions, and it wasn't actually a misconception on my part at that time, but it was a misconception on the part of the policemen. They thought that if you came down to Cabrini Green, which is one of the notorious uh, high-rise housing projects in Chicago, and you're a white man, that you ought not to be down there without a gun. And uh, they were wrong. It was a misconception they had. And over the years, as I've uh, been involved in urban ministry, from a learner stage at Cabrini-Green to a volunteer stage at Lawndale, and then became part-time staff and full-time staff, and uh, grew as, uh, in, in leadership, and then came to St. Louis in 1994 and headed up World Impact, and then... Um, was there and, and then came totally within the context of Jubilee Community Church and Jubilee Christian Development Corporation. And as I, as I grew in my understanding of the community, I realized I have much to learn. And after 27 years of urban ministry, I think I've only cut my eye teeth. I still have much to learn. And um, one of the misconceptions was, is it a safe place for your family? Because I, you know, my wife and I got involved when we were young, and then we started having kids and, and uh, raised four, four kids in our neighborhood. Now we have foster kids, and it's really a, a wonderful thing to learn 
how, how we can change our mind about the things that we have preconceived ideas about. As we live out the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And as we live out the great commissionment to go make disciples, there's then a question of how do we communicate it? Because how we communicate makes a difference. It really does make a difference. We can't just communicate the way we think we ought to. And sometimes I think about God. I think about how God, all wise, all understanding, omniscient, omnipresent, all the other theological terms we'll put to God, he had a message that he wanted to deliver to us. And how did he do it? He got in a body. And he incarnated himself in the flesh. And he came down and he lived among the people. He not just lived among the people, he actually lived among the poor people in Galilee. And study your scripture. Uh, look in Isaiah. Look in Luke chapter 4. Look in all these places about how God communicated it. Now, we can communicate the, the gospel to all people. But Jesus, it was interesting. He came and he came and he got... He was born in a manger, in poverty. We can learn so much from poverty. Actually, that's the way the most of the world is. It's in poverty. And we have a lot to learn. We have a lot of misconceptions about poverty and about the truth of the good news and how God wants us to live it out. He came in person. He lived it out. And I would encourage you as you consider how you can live out your faith, how you can be on mission, next door neighbor, in St. Louis, across the country, across the world, whatever God would call you to, that you ask him to show you. Because he doesn't call you to do it all. We'd all wear out if we had to do it all. God calls you. He made you for a purpose. He made a specific thing for you to do. Listen to him. Understand him. Go and grow in that and trust God to work through you. It's good to be with you. God bless you. And we'll talk to you soon. I want to invite my sister Sherry up. She's going to share a few things. Somewhere this morning in Guatemala, Samantha Owens, 24, I think. I'm not sure, maybe 25. Young, single gal from Green Tree, one of our very own is training to become a servant to women coming out of trafficking. I want to take just a minute and pray for her with you. Father, we thank you for our very own Samantha Owens. We thank you for all that you've taught her here in this place. We thank you for the way that, ways that you've prepared her hearts through all she's done, all she's experienced. And we ask for your protection on her right now and for you to be with her. We thank you, Lord, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. Samantha's a lot younger than I was as a single person going to the mission field. She is going to have the most exhilarating, the most terrifying, the most rewarding, and the most challenging times of her life in the next few months and years. I know that because my name is Sherry Holshausen. 
and I was a missionary in Russia for 12 years from 1993 to 2005. I'm with an organization now called Comfort Foundation that works with orphans in Russia, and our goal is to equip them mentally, spiritually, and physically to live healthy and productive lives for Jesus Christ. I left Russia. I left friends in Russia. I left colleagues in Russia who are serving God and reaching out to children who have been abandoned. There's a Russian movie that's very powerful. And in the Russians have sad movies, I'm just saying. Um, in this movie, it's World War II. This village has been totally annihilated by the Nazis. They've taken everyone captive, killed many. And this little baby is born to this woman in captivity, learns to walk in captivity, learns to speak in captivity. And then one day, the, the, um, the war is ending. And the Nazis, in their last-ditch effort to just brutalize people, took the moms of these little children, this little boy is about two and a half, with other children, and they marched the women off to, um, to a boxcar to send them off to another place, and they were going to give their children away. The Allies came and saved the women, but as they're later, but as they're walking out of the camp and they're walking by the children's quarters, the mothers begin to scream, Sasha, don't forget your last name. Your last name is. You can feel that as a parent because many of you have children, or if you don't, you have nieces or nephews or, or children that you love deeply. And the goal of Comfort Foundation and the goal of every missionary, and you'll, you, we have some wonderful missionaries here at Green Tree, is to remind people who they are so that when they get lost in this world and separated from those that they love, they know that Jesus Christ is with them always. There is no greater gift that we could give anyone than the knowledge that they are not alone and they are loved deeply by God and they have the ability to have peace with him. The end of the movie, the lady manages to find her son who was later raised by Polish, a Polish woman who took 12 children to raise them. And she goes to meet her son and they speak different languages. She speaks only Russian, he speaks only Polish and they sit in the room together and all they can do is cry and hug each other. But they found each other. When I, I was a little girl, 12 years old, I didn't start off in the church. The church came to me. A friend of mine, a 12-year-old buddy, invited me to go to church. And it was through a series of events there that I learned how deeply I was loved and cherished by God. All from a 12-year-old girl who invited me to just go to Sunday school. From there, then I went on to college, and I was part of a puppet ministry in college, and one day we were on vacation at Stone Mountain, Georgia, and we had been doing puppet shows all over, and these were Christian-oriented, and this group of um, mentally challenged adults and older children pulled up in a van, 
and they found out who we were and they asked us if we would do a puppet show for them. And some of them were so developmentally disabled that they had to wear helmets. And I remember praying and crying, thinking only God can speak their language. We can mouth the little puppets, but only God can speak their language. And he did, and it was a very powerful experience. The next thing that shaped my life is I worked for a company called Hessler Vertical Blinds, and I sold many blinds and vertical blinds for a living. <laughs> and you know what? Every job I've ever had has prepared me for the next one. And there I learned how to be organized, how to manage my time, how to speak to people, how to dress, not like a college kid. And it was a very valuable experience. And then one day, I was doing youth, I did youth ministry on the side, and I remember specifically thinking, I need to spend more time with these kids. And there was one particular face that um, was in my mind. And so I went and I quit my job, and I began to do youth ministry at another church. And actually, oh, here's a little joke of mine. I think it's so funny. You may not. So here it is. I once was blind, but now I sew. You see that? See what I did with that? I worked actually with Tom Ricks and Beth Bowman and Brant Bowman and um, several folks in youth ministry for a few years. And then from there, the next step was there was a, um, a missions brochure I picked up for another friend that talked about uh, ministry in Russia and how the Ministry of Education had issued an invitation to Russians, to American Christians to come over and introduce Christian ethics in the schools. Do you believe that? And so it was a one-year program, and I went over for one year, stayed for 12. Our organization is celebrating 15 years this year, and I've been involved for 20 years. But it's all one step at a time. Let's go back to Samantha Owens for just a minute. She's going to, as I mentioned, experience quite a few emotions, and challenges. Every missionary does. You're going to see a few here in just a minute um, who have chosen to go and face the loneliness and face the hardships, not because it was simply thrust upon them, but because God did something in their lives, like Tom talked about last week, he that he prepared in advance for them to do, and they're doing him. That's what Samantha's doing. But Samantha's going to need somebody like a John Splinter. And do you know what John Splinter does? John is from this church. John Splinter reaches out to missionaries in um, the 1040 window, which if you don't know what that is, it is really where uh, countries are closed to Christianity, maybe because they're Islamic, maybe because they're heavily Hinduist, Buddhism, whatever. But there's a very quiet window where Christians are really, it's a challenge and it's a sacrifice to be a Christian there. John Splinter counsels the missionaries who get stuck, who get challenged, who are overwhelmed by what is happening to them. You'll get a chance to talk to John. He'll be out at the tables outside, and you can ask him what that's like, and you can pray for him. Because I'll tell you what I know from personal experience. People like Samantha Owens and Beverly McCaskill and Austin McCaskill and some of these missionaries you're going to see up here are in need of someone to hold their hand. There's a little cartoon 
and the cartoon is Winnie the Pooh is walking with Piglet. And Winnie the Pooh says, Piglet? And Piglet says, yes, Pooh. And Winnie the Pooh says, I just wanted to know you were still there. That's what we can do for our missionaries. We're here. But sometimes we can remind them through an email, through a note, through a word of encouragement, through prayer, we're still here. They don't need us all the time, but sometimes they're going to need us. You can find more about how to hold missionaries' hands out at the tables. And right now you're going to have the opportunity to see an incredible video. A couple of weeks ago, outside at the amphitheater, we sang How Great Thou Art, and it was a magical moment, I thought in 103 degree weather or whatever it was. But it was wonderful. Today we are going to hear different mission groups that Green Tree supports from all over the world singing How Great Thou Art in their language. And then we're going to be given the opportunity to stand up and sing. And then that's going to be very special because it brings home the fact that as different as we all are, in Jesus Christ we are one. And what a gift that is, so that we can remind people that their last name is Christian. That's who we are. That's what we do. Thank you. God bless. <laughs>